Um, I want to go back and revisit last week's thoughts on Sabbath. I want to go back through some scriptures, um, just, just a few. In Isaiah chapter 56, Isaiah is looking at a future day. Now, this is hundreds of years after the Sabbath has been instilled. He's living in basically a secular society that has no appreciation for that concept anymore. And he is saying there's some trouble coming to us because of this. But he's also making a declaration that he sees something in the future when even foreigners would be invited into the house of prayer. You know, we've bantied that term around a lot, and we've used it. That's, this is that text where that comes out of Isaiah 56, 6, and 7. Uh, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so the idea was that even what he saw beyond you and me was that the Sabbath principle was continuing. Now, we, um, we obviously don't worship on the seventh. We're on the first day of the week, and, and maybe at some point I'll go after that some. But Paul, you know, he was fairly adamant, um, don't let anyone judge you by your days and your feasts and all of this and that. So he was ready to argue over that point, and yet he was a Sabbath observer. So his practice was that he was continuing on, even though he's saying, I'm not under the law like we used to think of it. And so if, if those principles are still there, that are that idea of rest is important to us as believers, then that's something we need to unpack, even though we take a different approach than what was done in times past. And so when we're looking at it, uh, Paul, even when he goes to Philippi, there's not a synagogue there, but they assume there's probably going to be a prayer meeting down by the river, and so they go looking for people to fellowship with and to pray and to just acknowledge that we're going to take this time to pursue God. Um, I made an acrostic this week, and don't usually go after that, but I was trying to remember the things that were important to me in this, and I just... Uh, did it in the form of rest and said, ready yourself, um, expect blessing, stop laboring, turn toward God. Pretty simple. But the idea of uh, readying yourself, that's probably what's been grabbing me more than anything during this season of looking at this. Because there are times in your life when your schedule's wide open and you can do whatever and it's simple, but there are other times where we either fill it in by things that are, are um, important or we fill it in with other <laughs> non-important, but it, whatever the case is, we're running like crazy and we're not even sure how to take a break. And the only way that you can really move into something like this is to actually ready yourself or to prepare your heart. And, and so... Uh, you know, it's like some of you, we used to have extended services because it was simple. You could stay for hours. But when you have little kids, like I've often said, getting to church can be a victory. That may be your victory of the day, just getting here. 
But there might be things that you can do that will make this a better experience, and, and some of that might be in the preparation. Um, when I was in college, I remember it wasn't uncommon for me to be up till 2 in the morning. There were a number of Sundays that I ended up sleeping in or just going to church not feeling good, you know, and I can... <laughs> I still remember one of the guys that went through here that was a gamer, a, a good man, and a man that desired to serve God. But regularly on Sundays, he was toast, you know, if he got here at all. But he'd been up all night, and it just, his good intentions didn't play out. And I thought, you know, all of us address things like that. Like, we're going to go out to Caston's today, and, and we're going to say, I'll start my diet after this pie. You know, it's easier to just, I'll do it later. But even in, in our pursuit of God, in our desire to, to have him speak into our lives, there are times when we have to be more intentional than what we've been. Um, in Exodus chapter 16, the first institution of Sabbath for the people was that they had just come out of Egypt. They, they had been slaves. They're only a couple weeks out. And they cross the Red Sea. They suddenly realize, we don't have any food. And God sends manna. So there's a supernatural sending where they're, they're picking this stuff off the ground and they can eat it. And God lays down a few things. He says, you know, I'll give you enough for each day. It's like he's feeding them from his hand. But on, on the sixth day, I want you to collect double and let that provide for the next day. And in that, um, some of them try, well, I'll just pick enough for two days and then I won't have to work several days. And it rots and there's worms in it in that first section. And so they're kind of, that didn't work out well. And then they're asked to trust God and saying that if I don't, if I pick up double on, on the sixth day, it's going to be enough for the seventh. And they're going, but so-and-so, well, if it's supernatural to start with, then it can be supernatural in its preservation, right? But that's what they find out. And so part of the miracle for them even is having it not rot and not have worms in it. But they're gone. They did not have that freedom in Egypt to even take a day off. You know, we've heard stories of other countries where slavery is still existent, where people are having to sleep in factories and they eat and sleep right there. They never get to leave. And they're working virtually every waking hour. That's their life. Can you imagine the freeing thought of just saying, I don't have anything that I have to do? <laughs> Whoa. And to just stop. Well, that is what God was intending for that people group. And he's trying to encourage us as well that there are times when you can just stop and he'll cover for you. He'll provide an, an oasis, so to speak, a moment where it, it works. Um, I want to go on with this idea of expecting blessing. 
Because for them in the wilderness, they would have begun to say, oh, this is a pretty good thing. And yet, when, when I've grown up in thinking about Sabbath, one of the boxes I've had that hasn't been good is like, okay, what, what would be the high in the Lord would be to just like be in this little box and do nothing all day. You know, where I'm just, I'm not thinking about working, I'm not thinking about projects I want to do, I'm not thinking about, I'm just trying to empty myself and think about God. And I've tried that, but it doesn't necessarily work very well for me. And yet, I've still held this thing of like, oh, that, that would really be godly. So how often did Jesus sit in a cubicle and do nothing? Wasn't he getting in trouble when he, when he was walking around? Or he was healing people in, different, in the synagogues, or he's, you know... So his movement certainly was a part of what he was about. So maybe that, that cubicle isn't as righteous as what I think it might be. I still remember my, we were on vacation one time. My father is, is I could see that he was tied in knots, and I probably wasn't more than six or seven because on the Sunday afternoon, he's wrestling whether, whether I could fish or not. And, and he's, he's being honest before the Lord, but he just, he doesn't have a framework to work with this. And it, 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 I could see, and I'm going, fish, fish, fish. You know, <laughs> it's easy, Dad. <laughs> you know, he was trying to be righteous, but he wasn't sure what righteous was. Jesus makes a very powerful statement. He said, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. So he's saying, this day was designed for their blessing. It wasn't designed to to help you feel guilty about not worshiping enough or honing in appropriately. Now, that dynamic of worship is part of it, but he's going, in its original intent, this was for humanity's benefit. And so if we're getting too caught up in our instruction and rules and regulations, we have to say, okay, God, but you intend this for well-being, so how does that look? You're not just making me miserable because I'm having to sit still and not move. In Isaiah 58, it says, you will, then you, and he's talking about Sabbath observance. He says, then you'll find joy in your relationship to the Lord. And he goes on to say, I'll give you great prosperity and cause crops to grow in the land. I know for certain the Lord has spoken. So he's saying, if you'll be intentional about taking some time to pursue me and back off, from all your projects around you, he says, I'll bring a joy in our relationship that you don't know. And so it's an invitation in regard to relationship that 
is before us. And we have the option of stepping forward into it or not. But it, if, if you're anticipating or desiring joy in the Lord, there may be a moment where you have to say, I need to invest in this, prepare my heart so that I'm ready for what God has. Um, I want to hit the verse that was right previous to that 14th verse. It says, you must observe the Sabbath rather than doing anything you please on my holy day. So again, he's calling it a holy day, not your own thing. He says, look forward to the Sabbath, treat the Lord's holy day with respect, and refrain from your normal activities, refrain from selfish pursuits and making business deals. So Isaiah really is dialing in. And he's going, it can't be just a day of selfishness, this pursuit of Sabbath rest or this rest in the Lord. It can't be just doing your own thing or chasing more, but it's like saying you need to orient yourself to making this time holy. So whatever you choose as Sabbath, so to speak, uh, there's a holiness attached to it. There's an awareness that, yeah, I am pursuing the Lord in this day, even though I may be doing some other things. And it's not, I'm not just chasing my own way or chasing my own goals, but I'm, I'm try, attempting to open my heart to what he has to say. Okay, let's uh, just, you know, that, that is the, to me the stop from, from laboring, just, you know, God was creating in the first six days, and on seventh day, sometimes there's that temptation of saying, well, I'm just refraining from physical work so I can, you know, get my creative juices flowing and start. No, you're just planning your next project, (laughs) and uh, that's really not consistent with the idea of being, if we're being like God, to just, he stopped creating and he rested. And so part of our golden is even to stop our own pursuits enough to listen and rest in him. Uh, The turning toward God, I'll just draw a passage out of Ezekiel 20. I gave them my Sabbath as a reminder of our relationship so they would know that I am the Lord, I the Lord sanctify them. So he's saying this Sabbath is an opportunity to reacquaint in relationship, to spend time together. And in that connection, that's where our lives are purified and cleansed. So as I spend time with him, I I see who he is and what I want to become. And in that interaction, change takes place. So again, when we're we're looking and saying, well, I, I truly do want to live a holy life. I want to be the person that God wants me to be. Some of that is going to be backing off from the pressing urgent of the day and just saying, I'm spending time in relationship with him. 
He says in the 20th verse of that same chapter, treat my Sabbaths as holy, and there'll be a reminder of our relationship. Then you'll know that I am the Lord your God. So again, this is when we want to go forward in, in the different seasons of life, we have to find ways of interacting and connecting with the Lord, and part of that is backing off from other things. I, uh, that's as far as I want to go in that today. Um, just kind of, each of you is going to have to find answers for your own life. That's the reality. And those answers are going to have different shapes and form through the seasons of life. But the idea of the principle is that we're going to have to do a few of these things in order for that to work. And so back to the acrostic, we're going to ready ourselves and make preparation and say, you know, it's when you can get things in place before the next day, it makes a difference, doesn't it? It just does in everything you do. And there is that idea, if I truly want to anticipate meeting with the Lord, I'm going to have to get some things done so that I can release my mind from this and not worry about it all day long. And I'm going to have to um, expect that this is truly a time when I can encounter the Lord. So I'm going to stop from my laboring and I'm going to turn toward God. I just want to pray for God's blessing upon you. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to walk in relationship with you. I ask as each one goes into the community that you give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.